God is faithful. Hallelujah. God is faithful. He will never leave us nor forsake us, he said. His promises are sure and steadfast. In the New Testament it says all of his promises are yes and amen. There is no doubt about God's promises. They are all for every single believer. Hallelujah. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the privilege to serve you. Thank you that you first loved us. I pray this morning, God, let every ear be attentive. I take authority and dominion over every thought and bring them captive unto obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let hearts be opened, lives touched. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. We will be looking at Psalms 89. Years ago... I've been saved since 1981. Some of you weren't even born yet. Praise God. It was Thanksgiving Day, 1981. I just said a simple prayer, asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, the Lord of my life, and it's never been the same since then. So we had this, uh, we, the first church I went to and began to serve God. We didn't sing nice fancy songs. We just sang short choruses. And I will sing of the mercies. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. Yes, I will sing. And with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness, your faithfulness will with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness unto all generations. And I loved to sing, and I worked in a produce warehouse at the time, and nobody was interested except for one guy actually got saved and began serving God. So I would preach to the potatoes. <laughs> None of the potatoes got saved, but praise God. But it's a joy to serve God. It's a blessing to serve God. No matter what you're going through in life, whatever problems you're confronted with, God is for you and not against you. That's a word from God for every single one in this room this morning. God is for you, not against you. One translation says, if or since God is for us, Everyone else might as well be with us. <laughs> Can you say amen? I like that translation. If, since God is for us. Not if, but since. It's absolute fact. Since God is for us, everyone else might as well be with us. Praise God. So, Psalm 89 verse 1, if in your Bible it should have a heading called A Contemplation of, Ezra, of Ethan the Ezraite. So I did a little bit of studying and said, who the heck is Ethan the Ezraite? I thought all the Psalms were written by David. <laughs> They're not. Who is Ethan the Ezraite? So the notes that I had said, see Psalm 88. It's okay, Psalms 88. A song, the heading says, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the chief musician. Set to Mehalath Ali Anoth, whatever that means, a contemplation of Heman. The Ezraite. Who are these Ezraites? So I did a little more research. First Chronicles chapter 15. David, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Israel, the mighty man of God after God's own heart, after having a failure, he has the Ark of the Covenant of God brought into Jerusalem by the Levites. And this time they're doing it right. And there's rejoicing, there's singing, there's dancing. And these two men are mentioned as singers. And their job was to sound the cymbals of bronze. 
Anybody ever been to an orchestra concert or watched one on TV and they got some guy standing in the back? All he does is, he does the cymbals. When the director tells him, these guys were skillful musicians. I've heard some churches, they say, oh, you can't have any music in the church. That's not biblical. Oh, really? Well, yes, it is, because if you read that story, and even when Solomon dedicated the temple, there was lots of music. It was awesome. Music is like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. There's something spiritual about music. Can you say amen? These guys, they were skillful musicians. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, these two men are mentioned again right after Solomon. In verse 29, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. And I never saw this before. And largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. This is quite a description of Solomon and his wisdom. And I thought, wow. But the next verse he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman. So these two men who wrote Psalm 88 and Psalm 89, they were not just nobodies. They were big shots. They were right next to Solomon the king, right in, just mentioned just a little bit lower than him. So these guys, they're just not nobodies. These guys are very important people. They're VIPs. So why would they write these well, unfortunately, Psalm 89 begins singing, you know, all the great things, but then it goes on about how David, uh, 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 you know, things didn't go very well with the kingdom. But I want to focus on God's faithfulness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's turn with me to Psalm 148. It's way in the back there, right before... One day I was reading the Psalms and I said, hey, I'm going to read five Psalms a day. So I got to all of a sudden, I get to Psalm 150. What? There's no more. Oh, man. Oh, just start over again. Praise God. <laughs> Praise the Lord, it says. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. It's good to praise God. Can you say amen? Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, you waters above the heavens. What's this telling us? That there's stuff that we don't know about. God knows, though, and the writer of the psalm knows that God knows, and he's telling us to praise God and let everything praise God. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded, and they were created. He also established them forever and made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths, fires and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples. There's a, uh, another psalm that says, let everything that has breath praise the God. Let everything that has breath praise God. Do you know leaves in your trees breathe? Do you know insects breathe? Have anybody ever seen bees around a bunch of water and their tails going crazy like this? That's how they breathe, through their abdomen. 
grasshoppers breathe through their abdomen. So everything that has breath will praise the Lord. So then one of these days, we're going to hear the grasshoppers and the bees and the trees praising God because they have breath. Hallelujah. Praise God. It says that Jesus said, if the people don't say nothing, then the rocks will cry out. Amen. The sheetrock would cry out if we didn't praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's continue. The mountains and the hills will all praise God. Princes and all judges of the earth, even the unjust judges, and even those that take bribes, eventually they're going to praise God. Because who know, how many know that someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God that Jesus is Lord. He is God. He alone is God and there is no other. So we can, uh, we can bow our knees now voluntarily or we will bow our knees involuntarily because people will be so freaked out that they will bow before God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He has exalted the strength of His people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I really, really enjoyed the worship this morning and I hope you did too. So, as we're looking at Psalm 89, <clears throat> Your faithfulness to all generations. Everyone should hear about God's faithfulness. Remember that saying I have about a, a testimony and a testify? If you don't testify and you take the test out of testify, all you have is if I. And we don't want to walk around in uncertainty. If I. If I only did this. If I only said that. And if you take the test out of testimony, all you have is a money. Because God will test us sometimes. And what do we do? Trust God. God is faithful, so He's trustworthy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 2. Aha. Glory to God. Listen to what it says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. Here's Solomon. The temple's being dedicated. And Solomon is the king. He's praying for his people. Wouldn't it be nice if we knew? I mean... I, I think it would be interesting, at the very least, uh, to think that President Trump is praying for us. <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? I'm praying for him. Wouldn't it be something if he was praying for us? Here's Solomon the king. He's praying for his people. Hallelujah. And he says, Will God indeed dwell in the earth? Heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. What the point is, is God is uncontainable. I'll say that again. God is uncontainable. He's unlimited. He's not limited to us meeting here in the church. Why do we come to church? To get refreshed because God wants us to take Him outside the church and touch people's lives and touch our neighbors and touch our co-workers and touch our friends and our family. That's why we come to church to get worship God and to get refreshed and get your batteries recharged. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God wants us to take them outside the meeting place. The word mercy is in English in this verse. Oop, back up one. Uh, mercies. This word here. The American translators translated that uh, Hebrew word mercies. That's pretty easy. But the British, excuse me, translators translated it 
loving kindnesses. Isn't that an interesting word? Loving kindnesses. One of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness. But loving kindness goes even further. Um, you know, how many know we do not deserve God's love and mercy? We don't. We do not deserve it, but God freely gave it to us. Hallelujah. What a glorious thing. Verse 33 of Psalm uh, 89 says, Nevertheless, God speaking, he says, Nevertheless, my loving kindness, if David's sons fail in their duties to serving God, the God promises, Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. It literally means God's will, God will not deal falsely about his faithfulness. How many know God is not a deceiver? God does not lie. He's not playing games. When he says I'm going to do something, he's going to do it. So the sure mercies of David is a promise to David for his throne to be established forever and ever and glory to God, even though David's throne's not there in Jerusalem anymore, guess what? It's fulfilled because Jesus is on the throne forever and ever and ever. And the Bible says in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, I believe it, no, chapter 9, verse 6, of the increase of his kingdom and peace, there shall be no end. The glorious uh, uh, dream of Nebuchadnezzar the king in Daniel, he says, I saw this statue, and uh, at the end, this big rock came out of nowhere and smashed the statue and ground it to pieces, and all of the dust disappeared appeared and then that rock filled everything that's the kingdom of God although it looks like we're on the defensive and it looks like uh, the kingdom of God and the church world is not doing everything that we're supposed to be doing and we're not making tremendous advances and people aren't flocking to churches and falling down and saying God I repent even though we don't see all of that it's happening anyway the church has been growing Christianity has been growing China apparently uh, according to some reports China has been exploding in revival in spite of government persecution. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's other places in the world where people are coming to Jesus left and right. Glory to God. I've read about revivals in this country. In 1906, there was a great earthquake in San Francisco, California. And then there was a spiritual earthquake in Los Angeles in Azusa Street. And a revival exploded. How many know that there was revival in the Korean Peninsula in 1907? The whole peninsula, north and south, there was powerful revival. One of the largest churches in the world is in South Korea. Glory to God. God's on the move, whether it looks like it or not. Hallelujah. They're staying away in droves, but God's going to bring them in. Hallelujah. Praise God. Where was I? <laughs> Hallelujah. God says, I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Let's stop right there for a moment. Acts chapter 13. Verse 13 through 49, Paul the Apostle and his entourage, they go to Antioch in uh, central uh, modern-day Turkey. And uh, they're there in Antioch, and they quote Psalms 89 and Isaiah 55, verse 3, about the sure mercies of David. And they, they, they preach there, and it says the next week, almost the whole city comes out to hear 
That's revival. Whoa, we want to hear. They, something sparked inside them. Hope. That's what the message of the gospel is, is hope. Oswald Chamber wrote uh, that. Well, actually, he didn't do any writing. His wife was the stenographer, and he, he wrote everything that he said. And he's got several books that were written. But uh, he said that when God forgives a person, it should change their lives. Because when a person really understands that I'm a sinner, they'll be like Isaiah, woe is me, I am undone. When he saw God's presence, chapter 6 of Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and, the tra- and, uh, and, and he describes God and he says, I understood that I'm not holy and God is. And Oswald Chamber, he said, when a person really understands that God doesn't have to forgive you, and you understand that you're undone, that you're, you're finished, that God's holy and we're not without Jesus, that's when God can begin to move in that person's heart. And when that person says, God, I need you. Hallelujah. And it begins to build up. And mercy, hallelujah. He quotes in Acts chapter 15, Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. If you have your Bibles, try and find Amos real quick. He's one of the minor prophets. And there's Amos chapter 9, verse 11. There's a star that has a no uh, filling. It's an empty star right next to that verse in my Bible. And that is a, uh, a meaning that there's a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. And he says, on that day, and this is Amos the prophet speaking for God, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and repair its damages, I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. And verse 2, mercy shall be built up forever. This is talking about a restoration of relationship with God. This is talking about God's kingdom being established and growing. Hallelujah. Now, Glory to God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4 says, I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. Psalm 116, I believe it is, or 106. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Everything's built off of that. The stone which the builders have rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. He is the rock. His work is perfect. All His ways are just. He is a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is He. The sure mercies of David was a covenant with David and his family. Hallelujah. It was the promise of an eternal throne and mercy will be built up forever. Glory to God. Aren't you glad God's mercy is available to us? As we go through life and we stumble along and we fall down sometimes, God's mercy lifts us back up. I get the picture sometimes of uh, the little baby here or maybe a one or two-year-old on God's shoulder. You know, that's one of my favorite pictures of God. God holding us on His shoulder. and We're just, we're at peace. We're relaxed. we're, We're there. And it's in a good place. 
But then they get the other picture of God having us stand next to him. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's one of mine. That's how God sees us. Can you say amen? <laughs> one day, Kathy and I were in the parking lot. I think it was over at the Target or something, or uh, um, Lowe's over <laughs> off Oracle Road, and there's a homeless guy, and he's asking for money, and I start telling him about Jesus, and I said, you know what? God sees you like that. God says, he puts his arm around you and says, that's my boy, and the guy looks at me like I was crazy. <laughs> I am crazy for Jesus. God loves that guy. Hallelujah. Praise God. God of faithfulness. Hallelujah. He's a good God forever. That means it'll never end. Forever. Oh, Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness. Here's our scripture here. Faithfulness is what we're looking at. Endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it abides. God's faithfulness endures. It'll never wear out. It's inexhaustible. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Your bank account is not inexhaustible. Your love for everybody is not inexhaustible, but God's is. And he wants to put that inside of our hearts. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Six times this word faithfulness is used in Psalms 89. In eight other psalms it's also used and it's describing an attributes of God God is trustworthy uh, it literally means firmness in other words uh, it will never be moved and will never stop it it's always going to be there it figuratively means security how many know that life here on earth is not 100% secure it's not your, your money in the bank is uh, insured by the FDIC. Uh, your, if you have a pension like I do, but I'm not getting it yet, your pension is insured by the uh, Pension Benefit uh, Guarantee Corporation, but you don't get the full amount. But with God, you have security. With God, you have everything you need. Can you say amen? This word uh, uh, faithfulness also means stability. So I looked up, hmm, that's interesting. I know there's a scripture about stability. So I found it. I have wonderful resources, praise God. Isaiah chapter 33, 6. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. We're not on a treasure hunt. We don't have to find, you know, X marks the spot. We don't have a pirate map looking for the treasure because the treasure is God himself. Hallelujah. And uh, you ask God, like, I hope my wife doesn't mind me telling this, but when she got saved, Here it comes. hallelujah, <laughs> she told me that she thought they wouldn't let her out of the building unless she said the sinner's prayer. So she went up and said, okay, I'll say the sinner's prayer. But inside she said, God, Okay, God, if you're real, show me. And it was a sincere, heartfelt prayer. And she says the next day, she woke up, called her friend, I want to go to church. <laughs> because God revealed himself. Hallelujah. It's that simple. Oh, I got a red light. Time out. Now I got a green light. Okay, praise God.
Where was I? Wisdom and knowledge. This is talking about knowing God personally. That's what salvation is. That's what Christianity is. You know God personally. So how do you get to know God? I have a, uh, a book at home every day of the year. Uh, it's Rick Renner's uh, Sparkling Gems. Rick Renner went to Russia years ago, and God opened doors miraculously for him. And uh, he's a very smart guy. Every day of the year, he's got a word from the New Testament and what it means, and he expounds on it. And uh, he was telling, I was reading yesterday's uh, entry about the powerhouse that's available to us. What would you do if you knew that in your house there was something you could plug into every day and get all kinds of power? He said, man, I'd love that. Sure, you wouldn't have to wouldn't have to eat, wouldn't have to worry about anything. You know, just go through your day and get everything done like Superman and you'd be, you'd be the man. He says, well, guess what? You do have that powerhouse. It's your Bible. Because that word is a living word. Those words are God's words. Those words have God's DNA in them. Those words have God's power in them. Hallelujah. Get to know God by the Word of God. And it will stabilize your life. It will give you wisdom. Hallelujah. In Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, not work, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I was in the Boy Scouts a long time ago, and... Uh, we had uh, something called the 12 points of the scout law. And one of them was a Boy Scout is loyal. A Boy Scout is faithful. And this was ingrained in my thinking. So when I moved out here to Arizona and uh, <clears throat> got into the uh, carpenter's apprenticeship, uh, apprentices are not allowed to quit. An employer, and our, that's our rules, you're not allowed to quit. But we have apprentices that do that all the time. And I tried to explain it to the one guy. Listen, what we're looking for is loyalty to what we're doing here. The, employer, the reason the employer hired you is to make him money. Okay? That number one. <laughs> that he, he got hired. You got hired to make the boss money. You didn't get hired because the boss wants to share the wealth with you. The boss wants to make money. That's why he's in business. So we need you to help us make him money. Yeah, but, you know, he's not watching out for me, and, you know, we're going to get laid off. The job is almost done. So, well, just be patient and wait. No, 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 I'm going to quit. Okay, do what you want. Uh, I can't force you to do anything. He said, yeah, this other company is going to hire me right away. Okay, well, we'll be done here in about two weeks, so we'll see. <clears throat> two weeks later, that other company didn't hire him. <laughs> says, I should have waited, he said. Yes, you should have. You should have been loyal. It would benefit you. Hallelujah. Faithfulness, loyalty. Glory to God. God is good. He's faithful. He's upright. Let's go on. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he, he butters them up. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given, was given to you. 
So you can claim that for yourself. The grace of God has been given to you by Christ Jesus. By the way, here's one, two, three, four, five times just in this short passage that the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned. The commentary I was reading said that no other book in the New Testament mentions the name of Jesus Christ more than the letter, the first letter to the Corinthians. It goes on. You were, were enriched. Not you're going to be. And not maybe, but because God is faithful, you say, I am enriched. I am enriched. How so? In everything. By Him in all utterance. This is words that we speak. And all knowledge. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. What's the testimony of Christ? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He rose again from the dead. And He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he says, hopefully you guys, he, he doesn't want anyone to come short in any gift. And we are eagerly awaiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, establishing you and keeping you, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a wonderful promise? God, because of Jesus, looks at you and I and says, ha, you're blameless. We look at ourselves and we oh my God, I'm a mess. God says, you're blameless. Glory to God. God is faithful. The title of our sermon this morning. By whom you were called into what? The fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is your friend. God's your friend. Jesus said, I call you servants. Yes, yes, but I also call you friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're waiting to expect constantly. Anybody know when Jesus is coming back? No. Soon? Maybe. Nobody knows. So be ready. Anyway, we're just waiting. We're expecting constantly. Hallelujah. Any day, it could happen. And after that day, there'll be no more danger of temptation. There'll be no more danger of uh, of. of Opposition, hallelujah, will be free at last, completely, wholly, and gloriously set free. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for those who are called. Hallelujah. Are you called? And you hear God say, God did say, and God always says, today is the day. Hey, if you hear my voice, hallelujah. Glory to God. There's an early church father. His name was Chrysostom. I don't know. He lived around the first century or so, <clears throat> I believe. He mentions that the name of the Lord mentioned more in 1 Corinthians to point attention to Christ alone. There's a song in Christ alone. Hallelujah. So we're looking with Jesus. And then here's a faithful promise. Chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Isn't that good news? That temptation is common. Some people get tempted different ways, but temptation is common. Everybody gets tempted, and temptation is only something that's trying to satisfy a legitimate need or want with incorrect means. 
So don't fall for it. The devil's a liar. But, but, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We don't have to worry about being tortured for our faith. We don't have to worry about being put in prison and hung upside down. I was reading, uh, uh, I have a book at home called uh, Today in Christian History. Every day of of the year, there's a story about Christians in there. And I was reading the other day, uh, how many know who John and Charles Wesley were? They wrote hundreds of hymns. They weren't even saved when they got ordained. But they got saved eventually and they sparked the Methodist revival in England. Glory to God, this is in the 1700s. So John Wesley wasn't very popular. And one day, he's in a town and a mob surrounds him. And there's a prize fighter in the mob who's the leading the mob and they're going to beat the daylights out of him and they kill him, dash his brains out. And John Wesley starts preaching <clears throat> and his voice gives out. But while he's preaching, everybody's listening and they stop attacking. Oh. Then his voice gives out. They come after him again. <laughs> and all of a sudden his voice comes back and he starts praying for the fighter. Standing right there, eye to eye. All of a sudden the fighter says, all right, everybody, back off. <laughs> I forget the guy's name. Back off. And they start bringing him to safety. And they get on a bridge and they start to attack him again. Back off. He, guy, prize fighter breaks somebody's arm. And they get John Wesley to safety. And then this guy got saved, and the guy whose arm got broken got saved, and they became leaders in the church in that town. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Now, everybody say now. now. May the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. This isn't a maybe. He's praying. He's saying God does this. He sanctifies you. And what does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart for service to God. Hallelujah. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24, He who calls you is faithful He will also do it. Preserve you blameless body, soul, and spirit. Anybody ever have, uh, I don't know what you would call it, mental problems? (laughs) (laughs) Anxieties, thoughts that pop into your head. It's like, oh my God, where did that come from? God, the way to get rid of that, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to trust you. Because God's trustworthy. I don't know what's going on, but I'm just going to have to trust you, God. Help me. Show me what to do. He is faithful. He will also do it. Hallelujah. Praise God. First John. Oops, that's, that's the last one. We'll go to another one. Go back. There we go. Talking about God is faithful. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verses three and four. The Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you from the evil one. 
We have confidence in the Lord. Can you say amen? There is an evil one. That much is pretty clear. Before I got saved, I studied to be a Catholic priest and uh, failed out of there, became an alcoholic instead uh, while I was there. <laughs> and then... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Once I failed out, <laughs> I moved in with some friends that had a band. And uh, the Mormons would come over, and the Jehovah Witnesses would come over. And I'd ask them tough questions, and they had no answers. Then I got into Eastern religion and thought that was all it. And then I met some born-again Christians. But I had been reading the Bible because God had been dealing with me. Because I'll never forget, while I was at the seminary reading John chapter 8, verse 32, I believe it is, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes, I want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. And I searched, and it took years. But God finally, finally touched me. Anyway, so I asked them tough questions. They had no answers. But it was obvious to me that there's evil in the world. It's very obvious. What's the solution? The solution is Jesus. The solution is not politics. The solution is Jesus getting a hold of people's hearts and changing them, forgiving them. Forgiveness should encourage a person to say, oh man, I'm forgiven. I hope I never do that again. God gives us the power to live a changed life. In Galatians, he says, you know, circumcision doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is a changed life. Church, this morning, since you received Jesus, has your life been changed? Are you on a different path? Hallelujah. That's the, 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 the proof. That's the, uh, the sign that, yes, I'm saved because I'm not the same like I used to be. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. Amen. I'm not. I was, but I'm not. Hallelujah. I've been set free. I served on a jury one time. Actually, I went to jury duty to, uh, for the interviews and all that. And uh, said, what do you do for a living? Okay, everybody goes to, I'm a union carpenter. And both lawyers turned around and said, oh. And then <clears throat> the judge says, well, you know, ask another question. Anybody, any, well, uh, you think you can give a fair trial? I said, judge, can I approach the bench? Two lawyers come up. I said, you guys, I'm a born-again Christian. I used to be an alcoholic. I got saved. Jesus set me free. And alcoholism is the only disease that's sold in a bottle. And as far as I'm concerned, your client's guilty and you're wasting taxpayer dollars. <laughs> you're dismissed. <laughs> if it came this far, that's what I think. Okay, you're dismissed. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because God changed me and set me free. I have confidence. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verses 19 through 22, it says, We can enter into the holiest place confidently by the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus shed his holy blood, that blood gives us opportunity to go into the holiest place. Amen. Make contact. Glory to God. Here's an interesting uh, <clears throat> verse I found that the commentators said was related to all this. 
John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. Jesus speaking to disciples. This is the famous chapter, John chapter 15, where Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. In verses 18 through 20, Jesus says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, anybody ever seen them bumper stickers that's got a crown with a cross in it, N-O-W? Not of this world. It took me years to figure that one out. But Jesus said, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you in verse 20. This is interesting to me. Remember the word that I said to you. Remember. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring the word of God to your remembrance. Remember the word that I said to you. Jesus is quoting himself. (laughs) A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. However, listen to what Jesus says. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. In other words, people will get saved. No matter what it looks like, they will get saved. If they receive the word of God, God will touch their lives. And Jesus is promising, guess what? It works. Hallelujah. Praise God. With our last verse, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jude letter. It's only one chapter in Jude. But he promises. Verses 24 and 25. Now. Say it with me again. Now. Not tomorrow. But now. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless blameless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's joy in this place this morning when we were worshiping God. I have felt joy. God, one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. We're in the prayer room this morning. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Hallelujah, just one. And there's multitudes that have repented. They're having a party up there. And when I came into the lobby this morning, I thought, man, like a party in here. Hallelujah. There's joy in this place. <coughs> God is going to present us in the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Verse 25, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Forever and ever and ever with no end. Hallelujah joy in the presence of our God because He is able, He is faithful, and He is just, and He will forgive, and He will cleanse. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He will. He will do it. Praise God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes in prayer this morning.